This episode is sponsored by the publisher Griffin House. They have a lot of books for early childhood education. Go to their homepage, griffinhouse.com. G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, house.com. Welcome to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. Today we are going to uh, listen to an interview that I have conducted with Justin Bader and we are going to talk about leaders and efficiency. So today I am here on Skype and with me is Justin Bader. He is the director of the Principal Center and he is also a doctoral student. Yeah, so first of all, uh, Justin, welcome to the podcast. Well, Johannes, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so today, Justin, we are going to talk about the research that you do in relation to your doctoral study. Yeah, so I am a, I don't know, ninth year PhD student, but I've been putting off the research for a while as I've gone into uh, other projects, but uh, finally uh, actually doing some interviews now, uh, talking with school principals at the, uh, you know, the K-12 level and trying to uh, to figure out what strategies they are using to maximize their own productivity as well as work with the people around them to to get done all of the work of leadership that needs to get done. So, you know, focusing on not just their work personally, but uh, as kind of an activity system, uh, what is the, the set of tasks that they are working on as leaders and as, as leadership teams? And then what are they doing to, uh, to make that work efficient, as efficient as possible? And, and how are you researching this? Is it qualitative interviews or quantitative studies or do you observe, observe them or... Yeah, it is qualitative, and the uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do a, a qualitative study is that there have been a number of studies of principal time use that have been quantitative, that have uh, given timers or pagers to, to principals or followed them around and kind of categorized what they were doing. And what I found in, in reading a lot of those studies, there, there have been some studies that were done extremely well, um, but what I didn't see in those studies was an explanation of principal's decisions that they were making about how to use their time and about how to use that time as effectively as possible. So we, we see a lot of uh, quantitative studies about what principals are spending their time on by category. You know, is this building management? Is this uh, observing teaching? Is this operations management? You know, what is the you know, the category of the task. Um, but what I thought was, was missing from the literature was an understanding of principal's own decision-making and principal strategies for how they uh, strive to maximize the use of their time. You know, we all have a certain number of hours in the day, and we all have a seemingly infinite amount to get done. Um, so I was interested in the, uh, you know, the approaches that principals take to get more out of that time. And, um, uh, 
he also asked the uh, the nature of the study. So I'm doing uh, interviews via Skype initially, and then I'll be selecting a smaller group of participants for on-site interviews and observation, where I'll I'll interview the principal, I'll interview other key staff that they identify as as kind of part of their work, sharing that work of leadership, and then I'll do some observation on-site as well. And, and when you say principal productivity, how do you define that? That's a good question because there, there's not much of a definition of productivity in the literature. You know, you, you have economic definitions of productivity as, uh, you know, measured in business with, you know, revenue and uh, asset utilization and things like that. So I'm defining productivity as simply, uh, you know, a principal's understanding of their own ability to get meaningful work done. So I, I did not want to make that too quantitative because I think when we make it quantitative, we often lose a lot of the, the meaning in it, you know, and, and usually we have an intuitive sense of, of whether we feel productive, you know, we, we all have days, uh, I had a Monday a couple of weeks ago where I just felt like I got nothing done, and then Tuesday, I felt so much more productive, I felt like I had accomplished more in the first hour of Tuesday than I did all day Monday, and I wanted to respect the reality of that intuitive sense that, you know, that it's not just, you know, can I look at a sheet of paper and see how many tasks I got done? Because sometimes, the, you know, the nature of the work of leadership is sometimes there's nothing you can check off after doing very important work. Uh. You know, having a conversation with someone might not reflect anything on your to-do list, but it might be the most important conversation you've had all year. You know, so I think there's there's just that, that qualitative and, and judgment-oriented nature of our work that I wanted to capture uh, within that definition of productivity. So I'm, I'm purposefully kind of veering away from quantitative definitions and, and really trying to get into principles own meaning-making and, and thinking about their productivity. Yes. So do you think, Justin, that maybe, or, or are you open to that the principles maybe will define principle productivity kind of uh, individually? Absolutely. I, I think it is a very personal and intuitive sense because, you know, part of what we're doing in trying to make ourselves productive is deciding what matters most. So, again, it's not about how many items on a to-do list I can check off or how many, uh, you know, points I can rack up for myself. It's it's doing what matters most. And I think that's, yeah, that's inherently a personal definition, uh, something that everyone needs to define for themselves. And I think there's also there's also kind of a, an emotional side of it, right? We, we experience frustration when we don't feel productive. And I think that frustration is often a clue to what matters to us and it helps us kind of identify places where we want to make a change or where we perhaps spent our time doing things that we could count that we could give ourselves points for but that uh, you know that ultimately we're not the best use of our, our time and the best impact that we could make as leaders so yeah to answer your question I think I think absolutely we all have our own definition of productivity and those those should be respected you know because that is the work of leadership is to decide um, how to you know how to define those terms and and what matters most for you as a as a leader in your context? Okay, and then you said that you are initially carrying out some interviews over Skype, and then you will go out into some schools. How how will you pick these schools? Yeah, similarly to the uh, the definition of productivity, um, you know, I, th I think there's a lot that is uh, unique about each school that 
has the potential to make it, uh, you know, what, what as researchers call it, you know, a generative um, site, you know, something that is is rich in potential insights. Um, so a lot of what I'm looking for in the first round is not, you know, is this the best principal I've ever talked to? Is this person experienced or award winning or is their school high performing? I'm looking for uh, schools and individual leaders who seem to be reflective about their their practice and, and able to articulate their thinking, able to articulate their strategies. Uh, you know, so basically people who have a lot to share. Mm. Um, and I know I personally can can kind of talk a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm the, <laughs> I'm the kind of person I would be looking for. Um, but I'm looking for for those uh, the, those sites that are rich in potential insights. So it, that is definitely a judgment call, and I'm, I'm avoiding any kind of um, stratification strategy where I'm saying, okay, I want one elementary, one middle, and one high school, and one urban, and one rural. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm really looking for, um, you know, a fit in the conversation between the the research questions that I'm, I'm trying to get at, and the. Uh, the type of thinking that the administrator is able to share with me, because um, you know, one of the the challenges of the observational side of this as a study is that a lot of the work happens in the principal's head before the pencil moves, before the fingers hit the keyboard. A lot of the important work is happening at the decision-making level in the principal's head. So I'm trying to trying to get at that through the interviews, and then hopefully that will lead to productive site visits. You, you just mentioned your research question. I know from my own research that my research question can sometimes change as time goes by. Have, have you kind of uh, come to a reasonably fixed research question at this point? I have, and I had to narrow it a bit. Um, as I mentioned, I'm interested in decision making and you know, in the the thought process that processes that principals go through. Uh, but I actually had to leave that out of my formal research questions because there are so many different directions that that could go in. There are so many different conceptual frameworks that could be applied to decision making, and I, I felt like the the documentation of the productivity strategies and the, the kind of mapping of how those productivity strategies uh, relate to the connections between the principal and the other people who are involved in the work of leadership. Uh, I realized that that was going to give me plenty to work with and that I would, I'd have to kind of limit that scope. So, yeah, in terms of my research questions, I'm, I'm focused on how principals uh, strive to make better use of their time, how they share that work with the uh, you know the, the people that they work immediately with, um, and I have had to, to kind of leave off some other things that I'm interested in for the sake of having a you know a doable study. And 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 when you talk about how they uh, enlarge their productivity, do you think about kind of also um, um, computer kind of programs and devices, or is it more kind of uh, metal? Techniques. Yeah, very good question, and and that's one that I'm actually leaving open when I ask it. So I'm I'm asking about tools, but I'm not necessarily just asking about technology. Um, you know, so sometimes when I say tools, people will refer to technology. They'll say, "Oh, I couldn't live without my iPad or my Apple Watch or my laptop." And sometimes people will refer to other tools. Sometimes people will say, "Well, hey, I'm a I'm a old-fashioned legal pad and pen or pencil kind of person," uh, or I. Th- I think I've even had people indicate that they see as a tool uh, their common set of expectations. So I, I am I am leaving that open, but yeah, definitely people are referring 
to quite a number of tools that they see as, as really critical for their productivity in terms of uh, being able to, to do things that would not be possible without that, that tool or would not be possible in the amount of time that they have available. So certainly we're, we're seeing a lot with, with tools. And, and you talked earlier about that after your Skype interviews, you would go into some schools and there you will interview kind of different people. Mm-hmm. And is that to kind of, will you kind of interview the principal and hear what he says about his principal productivity? And will you then also interview the teachers about how they see his productivity? Or will you kind of uh, research on different level of leadership? Yeah, great question, because I, I think that triangulation is always an important goal in, you know, in doing a study of, of of people's personal experience, you know, if, if I only ask people to tell me what they do, um, I'm not going to get as complete a view as if I hear from other people about what that person does. Um, so th- there, there is that triangulation aspect that I'm interested in that I think is necessary for having a, you know, defensible study. But there's also the aspect of the distributed nature of the work. And I'm, I'm using a framework uh, from, uh, I believe it's from Scandinavian activity theory that emphasizes the uh, the relationship between people who work together. So there's the the kind of community of practice or the uh, the division of labor to consider and the relationships that people have with one another, and the work itself and the tools that they use. And I think the the question of productivity is kind of stretched across the principal, other people that the principal works with, uh, and the the kind of rules and tools that they're operating with and within. Um, so I, the to, to get back to your question of, of what insight those other participants are, are providing, some of, you know, in some cases they are actually doing work that we would call the principal's work or they're participating in that work. Mm. Um, I've had a number of people say to me, hey, I, I have these reports that I have to do and I'm, I'm doing a lot of my research in one particular U.S. state that has seems to have a lot of reports that principals have to do. And several have commented on how they are relying on their registrar or their secretary to, you know, their, their admin secretary to, to help compile the data that they need for those reports uh, and also refer to specific tools. You know, and people have said to me, you know, we have this data in this system, but then the report has to go in this other system. So those two things seem to matter a great deal for what the principal's productivity system looks like. You know, if I have a particular person with particular strengths, I can rely on them to uh, handle certain aspects of my work. And if I have tools that work for me in a certain way, or conversely, and this is one of my big research uh, interests, is you know, the frustrations that come from tools that maybe were designed to solve a different set of problems for someone else, and principals have to use them, and that, and that actually creates uh, frustrations or problems or inefficiencies for the people who are actually using them on a day-to-day basis to, to do that work. So I see those those three as, as tightly connected, the, the principal, the other people the principal works with, and the, the tools that they use. And, and you say that it, it may be different from the viewpoint of the teachers as it is from the principal. It, have you come uh, across any previous research who have addressed this kind of double-sided perspective? As far as the uh, the teacher's perspective on the principal's productivity, or yeah, you think exactly, more along yeah. the lines of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think 
I, I haven't seen a lot of research on those those perspectives, and, and really not a lot on principal productivity at all. I, you know, I think to teachers, um, a lot of what principals do is firefighting, and who knows? <laughs> There's a lot of kind of uncertainty, I think, among teachers around uh, w- what actually principals do all day, other than deal with complaints and discipline problems and fire drills and things like that. Um, but I'm expecting to hear a lot from uh, office staff, from instructional coaches, from the other adults who maybe are not in the classroom, but are engaged in significant leadership work. And I think just the, the way we have the teaching profession structured in the United States, teachers are so, so, so busy. You know, I think we, we want teacher leadership. We want teachers to be able to be involved in decision making. But I think the, the workloads that we give teachers, you know, the, the teaching loads, the number of students, the number of classes they teach in the day and the, the small amount of prep time makes it very difficult for them to uh, to really take on those leadership roles the way that I would like to see in our profession. Mm. And and as I'm listening to you, I think this is very, very, very interesting. But but if, if I kind of take on a critical role, I could also say that this whole notion of being a, about being a productive principal, it kind of fits with the new public management kind of line of thinking so it's it's about to mix maximize an effect and maybe maybe we could have a principal who is according to your terms non-productive but he's actually a very good principal because he knows how to I don't know ignite a flame and the teachers to work <laughs> do you understand where I'm going yeah absolutely because you know I think in any line of work where as a leader, you are not the frontline person. You know your your uh, your impact is indirect, right? It's not that as a principal you need to personally do lots and lots of things every day. It's that you need to get other people to do what they're doing extremely well, and you need to get the right people. Uh, you need to have excellent teachers in every classroom. Uh, you need to have a uh, you know an office you know in a school that that works well as a system, and. And, you know, I think often what I'm, I'm finding as I talk to the principals that my impression is that they have a very good handle on their own productivity and their own work is is that sometimes they seem very relaxed. I would say, well, you know, you've got all these students. I talked to one principal of an extra, extraordinarily large uh, high school, uh, larger than the university I went to, and he seemed very relaxed. He was very it was it was summer, so school was out, so there <laughs> there was that. But um, you know, he seemed very able to make time to talk to me and not be interrupted. And I think often we get suspicious when we see that principals are not stressed out. We think, you know, something's got to be wrong uh, with any, any principal who's not stressed out. But I think it does come down to that that question of how are you working effectively through other people? And are, have you put systems in place? Have you gotten people in the right roles so that your job on a day-to-day basis is not chaotic? And I think as, as you kind of alluded to, you can have a principal who seems to be doing almost nothing, who is highly effective because the work of, of getting everyone else in the organization to be doing the right work has been done. And we see that, I think, more so in the in the larger schools where there's a larger staff and the principal is more of an executive or more of kind of a kind of a mayor. <laughs> I'm seeing that in uh, some of the extremely large schools where I've spoken to principals that that the um, you know the day to day work is handled. So if the principal does need to spend a full day offsite at a meeting or spend a full day dealing with an issue, the the day to day 
is handled by by everyone else. Now, of course, that's not possible in smaller schools where the principal is also kind of the attendance, you know, truancy officer and <laughs> lots of, you know, there's lots of variation just given the size of the size of the school. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that uh, you could look at a principal who's doing a lot, but not being as effective as a principal who seems to be doing less or seems to be less productive or doesn't even touch a computer all day, but you know, but somehow has a, a staff that's performing at a very high level and getting great results for kids, which is what it's ultimately about. Uh, do we think maybe this also comes down to sometimes we make a division between transformational leadership and instructional leadership? So if you have a leader who's more instructional leadership minded, then you can can maybe look more in detail into his productivity, but the other principal who's more transformational leadership oriented, that he's more kind of, I don't know, inspiring others to do what they shall do and not being so productive himself. Yeah, and I think even that comes down to their interactions with with specific people. You know, I I can certainly recall my time as a principal, there were people that I would see my role as being more of an instructional leader for. And there were other people where I realized, okay, the, the best thing I can do to help this teacher grow is to let them do what they want to do. If they want to go to a conference, I'm going to let them go. If they want to work with a coach, I'm going to let them do that. And I'm mostly going to stay out of their way as they vigorously pursue their own growth, which they're doing. Uh, and of course, that doesn't work for other people. Other people need, you know, a little bit more guidance and, and hands on. So I, I, th- I think I would, I would frame that issue as one of, of deciding how to interact with different members of your staff differently, because I, I definitely felt like there were times as a principal when I would I would try to have that kind of transformational approach with people. And they really needed me to be more tactical, more hands on, hmm. um, you know, and more in the moment with them, and and I think that's what I'm seeing with, with the principals that I'm talking to as well. That they're they're differentiating that um, as as demanded by the situation. You know, because there are, we're always going to find situations in our schools where um, we would like there to be a system in place, we would like it to be handled, but sometimes I've just got to roll up my sleeves and you know get a mop myself <laughs> or whatever the uh-huh. uh, the issue is instructionally. Uh, that's an equivalent to that. Uh-huh. And, and I know you have only kind of done the initial interviews, but, but do you sense any kind of findings in your study? Well, I'm, I'm definitely getting the sense that, um, and, and again, I'm, I'm focused on, kind of unintentionally focused on one particular U.S. state, uh, but I'm, I'm getting a sense that there is a, a big impact on principles, especially uh, as a result of legislative changes, um, and often that's because the principal is in the role of kind of shielding the school from the impact of those legislative changes. So there, you know, every time we see a bill in a state legislature about requiring schools to do more on issue X, often the way that gets translated into daily reality for schools is that they have to do a report, which is a little bit disappointing for <laughs> probably the authors of the bills who are thinking, all right, we're going to make a difference for, the, for kids with this bill. And, you know, as it goes through the policymaking process, the, the, the actual impact on schools that is that schools have to do a report. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of that with principals, um, a lot on specific tools and technologies that are making a difference. But I'm also, you know, and as you mentioned, I am I'm kind of early on in, in drawing conclusions. I'm, I'm not quite there yet to you know to have some some takeaways to publish but 
uh, I, I'm definitely seeing the power and the importance of, of having the right people doing the right work. And I've, I've spoken with several people who said, you know, we had, you know, and, and I think this is especially true in, in small schools, in rural areas where there's not a lot of movement between schools. You might have the same staff, you know, you might have staff members who stay on 20 or 30 years and there's not just a, you know, a big influx of people moving through the school uh, that you can kind of shift around. Uh, but I did hear from several people who said we had this particular person in this particular role and it wasn't working. And it wasn't that we needed to fire that person and hire somebody better. Is that It was that we needed to shift responsibilities or it was that we needed to give this person a different room to work in. You know, we were trying to have our bookkeeper also be the front office person and that was just a disaster. The books weren't accurate. We gave her a private office. She can shut the door, balance the books, and we've had no accounting problems ever since. So, you know, getting the right people doing the right work, uh, even if you're kind of stuck with the people that you're stuck with, um, I think has, is seeming to make a big difference. And when when that's not possible, principals are the one who pay the price in terms of their own productivity because they, they have to pick up the slack. You, you mentioned that you are using some Scandinavian acti activity network theories. Are there, are there other theories that you are using for your doctoral work? You know, I'm actually going to take a, uh, a fresh look at the literature after I've done my data collection because at the uh, the time I did my, my initial literature review, um, productivity in personal terms was was something that was just starting to be studied. And, and as I mentioned, I've been in my program for, for quite a while, uh, and I know the literature has advanced quite a bit on uh, product, you know, personal productivity as something distinct from, say, ec the economic productivity of a country. Um, so I think there are... Uh, you know, there remains to be seen what those what those frameworks will ultimately be. But I like activity theory because of the uh, the way that it reflects the the specific context and the the decision making that people do and the the interpersonal kind of negotiation around their work that that people do. Um, so I, I was thinking initially that um, that my study might be an important contribution toward the the kind of conceptual framing. Uh, around how we view productivity, but I'm, I'm really delighted to see that, that there's starting to be more there that wasn't there before. And I attribute that to the popularity, you know, 10 or 15 years ago of David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, which has brought a lot of interest in, in productivity for people in, in leadership positions. And, and, and when you talk about Scandinavian activity theories, is it Engström from Finland? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Hmm. Yeah, and there's... You know, there's there's a lot to that, and and honestly, it's it's tough literature to get into. Um, there's uh, there's also kind of a Russian heritage to that that literature in terms of Leontev, uh, who I believe was a student of Vygotsky's. Yeah. So the uh, you know it goes in so many different directions um, and has applicability to so many different uh, settings that I've I've had to kind of pick and choose small aspects of that that I think are are relevant but um, but I know I also I also need to do an update and, and kind of see what you know what has been done in the years since I've I've started this work okay I think it's very intriguing uh, Justin and, and you have got me thinking on this subject so so we are actually closing down now and, yeah. and, and I have one last question because I know through your company, the Principal Center, you teach many principals regularly and you speak to many principals. Which, which issue do you think need more research in leadership in schools, kind of from all your experiences with, with 
lecturing to principals? Yeah, well, I, I think the subject of distributed leadership and decision making is is one that I would love to see more research on. Uh, you know, the Wallace Foundation has funded a lot of the existing research on uh, distributed leadership, on instructional leadership. Uh, Ken Leithwood's research has been, I think, really important. You know, in in helping us understand what you know what the nature of the work of instructional leadership is and how that's inherently distributed uh, but I think we need to, to look into more the the role of teacher leadership and how that can be taken seriously as a, as a force within the profession because I think we, we still overall have a very traditional uh, kind of hierarchical model for leadership where the teachers do the work and, and the principal is the boss uh, and that doesn't really reflect how decisions are made in schools so I'd love to see more research around how decisions are made, uh, and how instructional leadership, as as Ken Leithwood has said in his research, uh, instructional leadership is inherently distributed, but I would love to learn more through future research about how that leadership is distributed, how those decisions are made, uh, because I think we're, we're just tr- scratching the surface of, of that question. Exactly. Yeah, time has run out, Justin. Uh, thank you very much for participating. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been uh, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings, and Social Care Settings. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you have gained some new insights into leadership. I hope that you will listen to the other podcasts in this series. A new podcast is being published on the first of every month. You are also welcome to join us on Facebook. There is a group called Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. If you just type in the name of the podcast in the search field in Facebook, you will find the group. Once again, thanks for listening and bye-bye.